Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back, everyone, to the Flow Track Podcast. Once again, live on YouTube. Once again, at a different time as well. I'm Kevin. He's Gordon. We're not doing this on purpose. We're not intentionally trying to be evasive with when the show takes place. Circumstances have arisen, and we are here an hour earlier than we planned. But Friday, I swear, Friday will be 9 a.m. Central, live on YouTube. Or you watch it archive on the site, or you listen to it wherever you listen to podcasts. It's still plenty of ways for you to find us as we do our best to avoid you. Good morning, Gordon Mack. Good morning, Kevin Sully. Yes, uh, we are an hour early because of a situation that involves one of our co-hosts, <laughs> uh, which shall we remain nameless. Uh, but yeah, another uh, few interesting things that's happened since the weekend. Uh, we had the 50K world record from Des Linden. Uh, Casey Lifa went pro. A few other things. Uh, it's going to be a good pod. Yeah, good pod. I didn't know if we we're going to have enough. When we got done with Monday, I'm always like, man, we ran through all those results very quickly. Are we going to have anything left for Wednesday? But, of course, something always comes up. But before we do that, before we talk about the news that you – discussed. I want to get in a little bit to some events that are going on this weekend because we got some meets that are actually live on our network here on FlowTrack that we wanted to talk about. First, let's start with this marathon, the NN Mission Marathon featuring Ilyud Kipchoge, which takes place on Sunday morning, very, very early central time <laughs> out here in the United States. Uh, or late, depending on how you look at it. It's going to be Kipchoge's first marathon since he finished eighth in London and had his win streak snapped. And we presume this is going to be his last big race before he goes for another gold medal at the Olympic Games. This race was initially scheduled to take place in Hamburg on a loop course with a small pro-only field. It got changed because of COVID, so he's now racing this at an airport. 
in the Netherlands. Again, a loop course, like we talked about before, only Kipchoge could get his race moved to an airport. That's what happens when you run 159.40. That's what happens when you rule over the marathon like he has over the last couple of years. What are you excited to see in this in this effort for Kipchoge? What do you expect to see after he lost for the first time in several years? Well, I expect to see him win. I expect that. I don't think uh, he can go. I don't think he can start a, a losing streak. I don't think he's had a losing streak in a long time. So uh, I, I can expect him to win. The question is, uh, how quick will he go? How smooth will he look? Um, will he like, we're just, it's so weird to kind of look at Kipchoge coming off a loss. We haven't had that mm-hmm. experience in some years' time. Um, and I don't know, like, in a weird way, I think, like, he's going to go out there and run, like, 201, right? But I also, there's also a part of me real, realizes, like, hey, he doesn't run 201s every time. Like, he is human. He does have, mm-hmm. like, he's not always breaking two like he's been doing the past few years. Um, so I think we're just going to see a solid run, a solid dominating run where he's going to make like a 204 or 205 look very easy. That's what I think. And I think that would be enough for him to go into the Olympics as as the favorite. If he loses, especially in this field where the next fastest person has a PB of 205, then you'd be worried because then that's two in a row that's starting to develop a trend. But I don't, you're right. I don't think he needs to run a 201 to become a favorite because right now there's no clear second person. You have to be obviously concerned about Kipchoge because he got eighth in London. But, but, but who's the person who's chomping at his, chomping at the bit to, to get that, to get that title? Is it Lawrence Toronto? Is it Shuri Katata? There's some guys out there, but there's no clear second person who is breathing down his neck right now. So I think he can push some of them back with a strong effort here. I I expect him to I expect him obviously to win. I'm looking back the last time so he won his first marathon ever in in Hamburg, then he lost his second marathon in Berlin and then he came back the following year and he responded with a 205 flat in Rotterdam and then again didn't lose since so the last time he he lost a marathon Gordon he went on about a seven-year win streak I don't think that's what we're gonna see this time but for Kipchoge what, what he's really concerned about this race and then the Olympics and then he's probably figuring it out from there I don't know how long he's gonna continue with this I don't know how long he's gonna continue with this at this level but the race does get more interesting because of what happened in London last year. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah. When you, you said you don't know what he's going to do after the Olympics, he's going to, he's going to hit the, uh, the local 5k circuit and collect some thousand dollar cash prizes, run the Turkey trots. Turkey trots. Yeah. Imagine if he <laughs> would do that, like, you know, undercover elite runner where Kipchoge mm-hmm. just literally spends like three months traveling the U.S., going to all these local charity runs, and just like, thank you, I'll have that five hundred dollars here. Thanks for the fifteen hundred dollars here. That'd be hilarious. He should, do yeah. That. Like, like Ky- Kyrie Irving in those commercials. Yeah, Uncle right. Drew. He just yeah. he goes on undercover Kipchoge. Who is this guy who showed up to this Shamrock Shuffle and ran an eight <laughs> k in twenty two minutes? I don't know who that is. 
And then uh, he came back and look, ran the, the mile as well. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was weird when he signed up for the kids' K. Uh, so the second seed in this race, Felix Chimangas, 205-12. It's funny just to look at the PBs here. Kipchoge, 201-39, and then all the way down to 205-12. I would guess one of these guys behind him is going to have a, a good day, a breakout day. But if Kipchoge is anywhere near his best, they should not, they should not be able to beat him. Uh, on the women's side of things, obviously there's not a headliner like Kipchoge. Medai Perez is the top seed, 222.59. Sarah Moreira, 224.49. They're billing this race, Gordon, just in general as a chance to get qualifying times for, for the Olympics. So if you're interested, obviously, in, in Kipchoge, you're going to be very happy. But if you're also tracking who is going to be on the start line come Olympics, which countries are going to have to make some tough decisions about who to send this race. He doesn't run slow ones, Kipchoge. He's not signing up to, to run uphill 10 miles straight. So this is going to be a quick course. And I'm guessing we're going to get a lot of people running Olympic qualifying times on, on Sunday morning. Yeah. And I'm not sure how many countries have already selected their marathon team. I know, the U.S. We selected ours two pandemics ago. <laughs> it feels mm -hmm. like it feels like a long time ago. But uh, yeah, I'm not sure how many of these athletes are like bubble athletes, according to the federation, to kind of look this at this as a last chance marathon to kind of mm -hmm. clinch a spot in the Olympics. It will be interesting, though. I'm sure this will be compelling storylines in that third through tenth spot where they're just trying to either get this Olympic standard to represent their country, etc. So be interesting. Mm -hmm. And as also, we mentioned, you can a, watch. It's going to be on an airport Go terminal. It's going to be an airport right. hangar. It's basically how how much does it cost to to like delay all the flights? <laughs> the airport is not in use currently, per my research, and it's just okay. one runway. It's one runway, but they're getting a lot of mileage out of that one runway because they're not doing forty loops. Which makes me think, if you went to a major airport that had several runways, you probably wouldn't even need to. Could you could you get a marathon out of four or five loops? I don't know how big the average airport terminal uh, is, but he's getting. Uh, I looked at the course map; they're going around uh, not that many times, so there's a lot of a lot of distance here they're getting. Some airport terminals are deceptively very large. Like the Dallas airport terminal is bigger oh, than yes. Manhattan. It's bigger than Manhattan. Isn't that crazy? Is that a true fact? Or did you just say true that fact. right now? Dallas Airport is bigger than Manhattan. Look it okay, up. Okay, so maybe people on the YouTube comments yeah. can fact check me. They can they can Google that while we're here. But yeah. DFW? I, DFW is bigger yes. than Manhattan. Oh my yeah, gosh. The, the square footage is bigger than the square footage of Manhattan. And also it just also reminded me, I always I'm not sure if you ever heard me say this, but you know how people like people in the sport kind of try to come up with interesting locations for a track meet. Like I remember Drake did yeah. a high jump in a grocery store. They do pole vault yeah. on the street, shot put in front of the Capitol. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking we need a hundred meter dash inside a terminal. And specifically, I think it should be the Chicago terminal where there's like this underground spot where it goes from one terminal to the other, set up a hundred meters straight away. And it'll be perfect. Everyone is used to sprinting from one terminal to the other to miss their flight. And you, we, this time we get Noah Lyles, 
we get Trayvon Bromel and all the greats to not miss their flight. And it's going to be like, don't miss your flight dash. And to see who can run from one terminal to the other in the quickest time. And then you could put a regular person on the moving walkway and race mm. Trayvon. So, like, you put me on the moving walkway, Trayvon on non-moving walkway, and then we race and see if I can beat him, which I won't. But they'll be fun. <laughs> All these ideas not only have going you, on in my head. Well, not only have you told me this before, you've literally told me the story in the airport that you're describing one time when we had a, a layover in Chicago, I believe, is where yeah. you first – unveiled this theory to me you may have told other people at the very least it's a commercial yeah one of those airlines heading into the olympics is right? it united like the official partner of the olympics or something like that yeah okay here we go I made that up we have a fact check coming in on the chat here from joseph at 12 uh, 17,207 acres dfw is larger than the island of manhattan and is the second largest airport by land area in the united states after denver so denver's even bigger denver's airport <laughs> my goodness yeah deceptive yeah, a lot a lot of marathon opportunities is what i'm seeing maybe kipchoge takes his show on the road he only there does airport marathons from here, here on out so that race the nn mission marathon you can watch it live on flow track in the u.s canada uk ireland and Australia. The other race I want to talk about, we just got some entries from Gordon, the Brian yeah. Clay invite in Southern California, which takes place on Friday and Saturday. And it features Sydney McLaughlin, who is going to run per the entries, the high hurdles, which she's run already once this year and the 400. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm interested in this 400. I'm very interested in this 400. Her PB 5007 from 2008 when she was in college. We just passed the two year anniversary. 2008? You mean 2018? 2018. 2018. Sorry. <laughs> you know, you said you're losing track of time. So am I. So the PB 5007 from 2018. So we just passed the, the two year anniversary of the PB. She ran one, another one as a pro in 2019, went under 51 in, in that race. But I'm just really curious to see. We've seen her do a 60-meter hurdle race this year. Seen her do a high hurdle race. She's going to do a high hurdle race in this meet. We're getting closer and closer to her main event. Obviously, we've seen her in a 4x4, in a four four, but the last time she's run an open for 50.78 in, in Shanghai. Um, yeah. What are you interested in seeing from her? What do you think is, is possible? Do you think she could PB in this race? Well, may, part of me makes me think that we should expect a 49 point because if someone like Shamir Little is out there running 49 seconds and that's competition in the 400 hurdles, mm -hmm. you would think that if Sydney is clearly and Sydney and Delala are clearly better, Delilla, excuse me, are clearly better than Shamir, they both should be running, be able to run 49 second flat 400s. So I would think that she runs 49. And if she were to <laughs> run like 50 high or 51 low, maybe you think, hey, maybe this is Shamir Little's year to kind of sneak in and upset one mm -hmm. of the big two because um, she's running on fire right now. Now, I don't know. We don't know her mindset of this race. It could be like, just get a good hard effort in. I'm not going to the well. We don't know all the 
ins and outs, but I am excited to see at least Sydney run something that's at least closer to what she's good at. She's not really mm-hmm. a 60 meter hurdler. That's what she was doing in high school. She's not really mm-hmm. a, a short, a uh, hundred meter hurdler either. Her prime bread and butter is running a 200 and up. So getting to see her run an open four will be, will be fun to watch and see where she's at right now, about two months out from the trials. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Four is four is great because she's one of the best 400 meter runners in the world. She just so happens to be one of the best 400 meter hurdlers of all time. And that's where her event is at. So I think, yeah, you can learn a lot from what she, what she runs in this quarter. She did run a high hurdle race, as I mentioned earlier this year, outdoor race 1303 in, in Phoenix, just, that's just a marker that you can use to see if she's improving in that event as well. But I, I'm with you. I think, um, the 400 is is something to to watch just because so many women in the United States this year <clears throat> have been running fast times. So we have some data points out there to compare her her performance to and people in her event specifically. On the distance side, on the distance side of things, we got some folks from NAZ Elite competing in this meet. Um, and on the on the sprint side, I should also mention I saw Amir Webb on the entry, Candace Hill. Blake Leeper. There's some other big names in, in in this race. Did you look at the on on the distance side of things? I know Scott Fobbles in the ten thousand. Anything jump out to you? Yeah, I just seen the NZ like guys getting a good uh, pre uh, rust buster out because we haven't seen NZ Elite on the track in a long time. Speaking of NZ Elite, our boy Ben Rosario guy got, got a little sub tweet going on on Twitter saying like, "Ooh." He tweeted this like a few days after the rankings came out. Ooh, looks like it's the annual under. I'm not. I'm. I'm not quoting him exactly. I'm just paraphrasing because <laughs> uh, I don't remember the quote particular. It looks like it's the annual like, you know, over like undercount my athletes, and then we show up and prove the rankings wrong. Basically saying we get we just some people out there in the media call flow track. Disrespect NAC well, Elite. Cough Gordon. Cough Gordon. Gordon. It's not flow track. It's just, it's just Gordon. Uh, rank them not. Don't give them enough respect in the rankings, and they come out and do well. And then mm-hmm. I was like, ooh, where did I rank uh, the NAZ Elite people um, in my rankings? Which I don't – I'm going to bring it up right now. I've updated them since, but they have mainly five – so – yeah, I can see why he'll be mad at me. So I rank Ryan Hill eighth in the five K. That's probably not nice. Yeah. I rank Stephanie Bruce twelfth in the five K. Kellen Taylor fourteenth in the five K. That's mean. And then in the ten K, which they could at least argue like, all right, yeah, we're not good five K runners on the women's side. Uh mm-hmm. I put I don't even have Tyler Day ranked. But Hey, he hasn't done anything. I can't rank him anymore. He, I put all my money on him one time, and he and he DNF'd. But I guess their best hope I have right now is Kellen Taylor, sixth in the 10K. And I have Carisha Schweizer better than her, which I think is fair. Emily Sisson, I think that's fair. Molly Huddle, that's fair. And then I have Elise Cranny and Rachel Schneider. I think Elise Cranny just ran a fast time. Rachel Schneider is one of the better kickers. I think that's fair, but, you know, when you're coaching the athlete, Every athlete should be ranked number one. So I will anyway. say this: the five, the five and ten on the women's side is 
insanely deep, historically yeah. deep. So it's gonna it's a tough it's a tough ask to try to get every deserving person inside of a top five or a top ten. Are you done airing grievances? Can we talk about the Des Linden fifty uh, k, or do you want to keep going? <laughs> well, I just want to say that maybe if NAZ runs well in this Brian Clay five k and ten k, oh, I see what you they'll mean. Move up, okay. They'll move up in the rankings. You know, gotcha. I only can do what what I see. You know, I will say this though: finishes on an off-year championship should never count towards any like do what you do in 2018 2014 and and 2010 no one is trying because our sport's stupid but well it depends depends who's running the race though that's true depends who's running the race you gotta look at but even who's running the race there's there's that non-pressure element where like it kind of does it feels just like a regular peyton jordan type race so anyway enough rant on that what did you want to talk about next well, you're a noted ultra running expert, so I thought we'd transition from that into Deslin and Linden's 50, 50K. This is kind of cool. Oh, yeah. I got to admit. I got to admit, I like a, a runner moving up in distance is always interesting. A runner who's still good at their primary distance moving up in distance is even better. And she's obviously running a, a race distance that you know track fans, marathon fans aren't familiar with, but she runs 259.54. Just smash the old record, 307.20. Averages out to 547. She went through the marathon 231 and change, just to give you a little bit of perspective about how quickly she was going. You could look at this result two ways, I guess. One, is this going to be a new thing for Lyndon? Is she can continue to move up? Maybe she does a 50-mile race next time. Obviously, that's a much bigger jump than jumping from marathon to 50K. Or you could look at this and say, she's a really, 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 really good all-around runner. And you go to the fall season. What are we going to have in the fall, Gordon? We're going to have major marathon on top of major marathon on top of major marathon. She's going to be in a good position to get a really high finish and maybe sneak out a win in one of those marathons just because how the people are distributed in that race. And I just I thought it was interesting. She backed it up. She said that's what she was going for, and she backed it up and and and, and did it. So kudos to her. I like that she made this this uh, this race something to watch. Or you could look at it another way. It could be an indictment on the, dare I say it, people are going to get mad at me, an indictment on the quality of ultra running. That when... Well, the 50K is not even, the ultra purists will tell you the 50K is not even like a real ultra distance, right? They'll okay, say it's still, not even... not. Not even long enough. All I'm saying is, what's the main reason that marathoners' careers come to an end, would you say? Or even 10K runners, uh, even 5K runners. Joints? I don't, I don't, yeah, joints injuries. Are... Injuries. Yeah. And what does she go out and do? She runs a 31-mile race and has done all sorts of crazy training. She's put it on on the internet for all to see. Like, she's pounding out mile after mile after mile and just seems like she can roll with all of it it just makes me think she's going to be able to go on and run at a high level because again if you go through at 231 and then run for five more miles well i mean you're obviously sub still sub well under sub 230 shape you know and if you get mid mid 220s low 220s you're in the mix in a major for sure especially something that's placed her strength like boston and new york what I was trying to say is a lot of our elite marathoners typically 
don't do what Des is doing. And so right, therefore right. that that area is untapped with a lot of talented runners, right? Where mm -hmm. it makes sense that she should be able to break their record by over eight, by about eight minutes or plus because the people who are attempting 50K runs are not as talented as the Des Lindens and other marathoners of this world. So that's what I meant by it's an indictment because it's like, hey, when the best of the best come and show up and race it, we can mm -hmm. we can shatter your records. Um, so I'm sure Des is like, hey, I could get all these world records. You know, I should just like show up and like I can, I can collect world records after world record after world record because she's fit and that's all. I mean, she's talented and the the history yeah. of the 50k is not as notorious as the history as the marathon or the 10k yeah yeah well again it's a bigger ass though because you go from 26 miles to 31 miles and then if you go next to 50 miles then you're jumping up 19 miles until your next distance this is not moving up from the 5k to the to the 10k, 10K. it's a That's it's true it's a big it's a, it's a big jump I, I mean the previous record holder Allie dixon was a marathon or two i i guess with 50k you see it more I mean, people run it as just you know tacking on to a marathon as opposed to a hundred mile person dropping down. Like that's a whole other, like they're eating like whole meals when they're running like some of those ultra marathons. It's just a whole that's different, true. like if you're, if you're stopping and getting breakfast during the race, it's just an entirely different <laughs> event invent in my opinion. But you would think though, even five years ago, if I asked you, Hey, Hey, uh, Gordon predict who in five years on the women's side is going to be really good at a 50 K you probably would have said Des Linden. Just the pace, the steadiness, it makes sense. Yeah. That makes sense. I do agree with the whole idea that she's probably going to run multiple marathons this fall. And this is like her training for that, to be able to put her body through. Like, I think it would be cool. I mean, she probably won't do this. But what if she tried to do like the – what's the two marathons that are like the same weekend? Is it it's Boston and Chicago? Boston and Chicago, right? Back to back, yeah. Wouldn't it be wild if she tries to like – finish top 20 in both or something like that like she it would be it's like the chicago one and then goes all out in the, in the boston it would be funny because we're all expecting somebody to do it but it's just going to be a random person who's a three-hour marathoner or a four-hour marathon yeah. to do it and it would be funny if it's like oh no it's one of the greatest marathoners in u.s history that ends <laughs> up doing it That'd be great. yeah you oh 100 percent if she was and able I, to like get top 10 in both, that would be like the greatest like performance of all time. Top 10 in back to back marathons. Yeah. And even uh, the schedule so cramped again, you could have maybe even a week between races and it would still be impressive. But I agree the back, yeah. the back to back, the back to back would be something else. I'm looking at the schedule right now. Yeah. I think it's, is it 10th and 11th? Or ninth and tenth is that is that when it is in October? Yeah, it's, I think I it's a Sunday and Monday, right? Okay. Or is yeah. it a Saturday Sunday? I, it's one of those. Let's see, Boston Marathon. Let's do some googling here. Twenty twenty one, Monday October eleventh, and yeah, then Chicago then Marathon, Sunday October tenth. Yeah. Now here's the trouble, though. You're going from Central Time to Eastern Time, so, so you're losing you're an hour. losing an losing hour of recovery. And every and hour at that hour. point would be would be valuable. Although Boston starts later in the day, there you go. 
Maybe you request an early, you get in the earliest wave possible in Chicago and then go from and there. And again, the latest wave possible in Boston. Who's a person in track who you'd like to see pull a Des? I, and by that, I mean, just mean run a, a, run a distance higher than they've, than they've run before. Donovan Brazier in a 1500. Oh, in a we, 5K. Already okay. in a we already see him in a 1500. Uh, what's I would want to see. I don't know. Uh, Sh- Shelby in a 10 K, which we actually might see. I heard rumors that Shelby Houlihan might run the 10 K at the trials. I heard rumors. I know that's kind of wow. I'm not reporting. I'll be something. But I've heard it. I've heard it. I'm not reporting, but I heard it. I think she might From run our- a 10k at the Sound Running Meet to get the time, and it makes sense when you think about it because 1500s before the 10k, so she can do the 1500, and then have the 10k as her backup. I think that's what she's going to do. Oh, so she's not planning to do a Safan Hassan at the Olympics and do. Both. This is just an insurance policy. Yeah. But imagine being a 10K runner and you're like, all right, I'm ready to go. And then you're like, you'll be watching that 1500. Please, Shelby, make the team. For God, goodness <laughs> sake, do not, not make the team. And then she gets fourth and you're like, God damn it. I just missed out your opportunity to make the Olympics. So, well, yeah, that's right. Because we talked, we talked about the, the 5,000 moving on top of the 1500 and how that is going to impact both events but maybe what's going to happen is just everybody's going to move to the 10. yeah that's they, what we think's going to happen a lot of those top 1500 meter runners are just going to try to get a 10k qualifier just in case that's that's asking a lot though for a, a miler to move all the way up to ten thousand. shelby obviously well, could do it she had that good race in cross country a couple of years ago and look someone like rachel schneider rachel schneider is done doing it right now she's like a four flat 1500 meter runner who can run a 10k yeah well, and for some reason, I think of her more of a five ten person now. I don't know what, yeah, what why that is. I don't, I, just because she's been so good in those two events, and those have been where the focus is at. But okay, so that's interesting. Gordon is not reporting, but he is I'm hearing, just hearing things. Just hearing. Okay, not reporting, just hearing. We need to start a Gordon hears segment as opposed to Gordon's guesses. Clip out that clip and spread it. Spread that rumor. <laughs> Put it up on the blogs. That's what happens in the NBA. When the NBA aggregators podcast, the aggregators, they talk about one thing. I heard LeBron had pizza for breakfast and then it's everywhere. Hoop no, Nation it's, uh, pizza. It's LeBron. It's LeBron talked to Steph Curry at the All-Star game about playing together. That's that's what it was this year. And then everybody writes about it. If you're I Steph Curry, is, yeah. If you're not to turn us into an NBA podcast, but I love doing that. If you're Steph Curry. And you realize hey, it's not going to work out in Golden State. It's just it's not happening. And you're deciding, hey, I'm going to go somewhere else. Do you go to your hometown in Charlotte to play with Lamella Ball, or mm-hmm. do you go to the city of brotherly love to play with your oh, brother geez. and geez, have the geez, actual geez. Splash Brothers, Curry and Curry? Would you rather play with your brother in Philly or play with Lamella? Maybe Ball play with your in Charlotte, your hometown. I mean, are you trying to win or are you trying to hang yeah. out with your brother? Okay. Oh, go, come probably... on, dude. No, dude. They would... 
you uh you get your brother to you move you don't think he can move his brother to charlotte too he's steph curry i think he could get some people to move around i think he could get two curries with Embiid. oh my goodness here here's two people i don't think are going to change teams and you can clip this out aggregators nba aggregators i don't think steph curry's going to leave the warriors ever and i don't think damian lillard's ever going to leave the blazers and i could be naive it could be nostalgia talking there for an era when people stuck it out with with their team for their entire career but i think those two guys will not leave in any event we have some more stuff to talk about but first you did an interview with wayne Kalati. it was this week's edition of the under armor performance series i wasn't there it was just you i was on paternity leave um i'm sure you guys talked about a, a variety of topics so we're gonna play that right now and then when we come back we're gonna talk about a college athlete who went pro during the middle of the outdoor season but first here's wendy Kalati in the under armor performance series with gordon mack And now it's time for the Under Armour Performance Series. Under Armour is more than an apparel company or shoe company. They are a human performance company trying to not only make their athletes better, but everyone a better runner. In this series, we are talking to several athletes, coaches, and trainers on a variety of topics to help improve you as a runner from preparation, nutrition, training, to competing and recovery. Today's guest, Wayne Kalati, former NCAA champion, two-time NCAA champion, who now runs for the Under Armour Dark Sky Distance Team. Wayne, thanks for joining us. How are you doing? Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm doing great. Thank you. How are you doing? I'm doing doing fine. Uh, excited for a year of track and field that actually is happening. You know, it's fun. After going through 2020, 2021 is looking pretty good. Uh, but the this year kind of started off, with, I guess, the academic school year. Started off with a bang. You announced that you weren't going to run for New Mexico this school year. You decided to turn pro early. How has, tell us about that decision, uh, how you came to be and why you ultimately decided to uh, forgo NCAA eligibility and become a professional runner. Yeah, it's been, um, everything looks like crazy this time, but um, my decision with going pro was like, there was so many unknown things at the time. So a lot of cancellation. I don't know whether the NCAA is going to happen or not. So from that, I was kind of been thinking just like to move another step. So I decided to um, turn pro because I just uh, want to prepare for prepare for more and other bigger races than sitting and just um, waiting for the unknown things. So that was. Um, my decision just to move up and look for other opportunity instead of waiting because I was close to finish school as well. Why did you ultimately choose Under Armour as your uh, sponsor and join the Dark Sky distance team? And how has the transition been once you decided to make that decision to join Dark Sky? Um, choosing Under Armour, I feel like it's the, the mid everything that I was looking for, for a new transition. And um, before even I announced it, I feel like I've been a part, a part of the family for a long time, just meeting the people, the team, the coach, the place to train, everything seems perfect. That's uh, what makes me to uh, 
this site with Under Armour. And also it's been a great transition. Um, I love the coach, the place, as I said, and I'm already a part of the family and this has been like a, a great um, transition so far. Was there a benefit being kind of in a similar location? Obviously Flagstaff, Arizona, close to Albuquerque where you were attending school. Um, training at altitude, was that a factor in being able to kind of stay in your environment? Yes, I mean, um, we have been driving, like while I was in college, we have been driving in Flagstaff a couple times just to train out there. And also I was there during the summer, um, visit my friends and it feels home, just like going back and forth. So I want to be close to what I used to be. And it's going to, I know that's going to give me the same benefit that I've been training in um, Albuquerque because it's uh, same, it's like it's higher altitude, but it's going to be the same transition instead of going completely different place. It's very similar to what I get used to. So, yes. Well, it seems like you haven't missed a step since turning pro. You've run some fast times on the track, um, got to race with your new teammates, like Sharon Lochetti, Rachel Schneider. What has it been like being able to train with those athletes, both in races and also in practice to kind of get you where you want to ultimately be? It's amazing. It's always great to um, have been surrounded by the people who have the same goal as you. And also when you see your teammate and um, doing so well, you just say like, if my teammate can do this, why not? So it's, it's been amazing. It's just, uh, um, they're incredible talented people and I'm so blessed to be um, part of their teammate and they um, push me every day when I um, stand on the line and the start line with them during the race. And yeah, it's, it gives me more confidence to uh, run with my teammates um, always. Is there a difference between the training regiment that you have with Under Armour versus what it was like in New Mexico during the college uh, years? It's nothing crazy, but crazy, but it's slightly different. Um, now, uh, I mean, in college, you have to fit where everyone's training with uh, team practice, but here, um, of course, we train together. And as I said, I'm still. Um, going back and forth, and it just like um, the program is created for you. What works for you, what works for your teammate that is running with you. So I just like a slightly different. I'll say. You talk about being created for you. What are your goals uh, that you want to achieve this year? My goals this year is trying to run at the uh, Olympic trials and made it the team if that could happen by the time. Well, Wayne, I appreciate you taking the time to talk with us. We're looking forward to you uh, getting back out there on the track. Do you know when you're going to be racing again anytime soon? Um, hopefully at the end of uh, May, but I'm not sure yet. So like I'm pressing all the, pressing all the graduation um, things and also planning for a race, but We'll see and as soon as I figure it out more, so we'll have more details. But thank you so much for having me. Yeah, big summer ahead. Uh, Olympic year, graduation year. 
all together. Looking forward to following you on the track. Thanks a lot, Winnie. Thank you so much. All right. Congrats to Winnie Kaladi on graduation, by the way. That's awesome. There we go. I can't, I can't watch Wendy Kali do anything now without thinking about the time she put Lincoln in the blender when we went to Albuquerque and he was trying to keep up with her on a bike. I mean, me too. I mean, I was, I was a mess as well too, but Lincoln literally had to uh, sit down for a while after filming that, that workout. He did a good job. He did a good job, but the altitude combined with the fact that she can run a heck of a tempo run, just, just put our former colleague in, in a bad, bad spot. Um, Anyway, Gordon, you changed clothes. That's good. That was quick. I've had my fair share of winded workout Wednesday shoots where I don't know how to – I'm, like, embarrassed. There's been times when the running group has dropped me on the bike, and I'm just like, uh, because riding, riding on a bike is fine, but when you're, like, on, like, a surface that isn't quick, like a dirt path or, like, grass, yeah. you really have to push that bike to go up to, like, the five-minute pace that they're running. Uh, yeah, and I've had some times, some embarrassing moments. I'm like, oh, I'm purposely stopping. Is what I would do. I'm just getting a different angle, and it's like, no, I'm just out of shape. <laughs> well, we were on a very smooth bike path. Could not have been smoother. Uh, it was extremely flat, so that we have do not have that excuse. The only it was at altitude, and I had it in my mind I was going to zoom ahead and then get a shot of her running because Lincoln was going to follow her, and I was going to get the the front shots, and then I was going to get back on, then catch up. But by the time I put the camera, because I had Jeremy's camera, it was super nice. I had the camera, I had to put it back in the backpack. She's going fast. By the time you get everything going, you look up and it's demoralizing because you're 90 meters behind her and then you're hauling to try to catch up. What's your, what was your hardest workout to film? Because you filmed a lot of them. What was the one that was just a, a logistical or physical challenge? Ooh, that's a good question. I mean, I have moments like there's been there was times when I was filming I was supposed to film like a long run with Colorado mm-hmm. and they were running and they went onto like a gravel path and I was like, This is it, my bike is not gonna work and I just let them go. I was gonna film them for yeah. like forty minutes and then it turned into a a five minute filming session. I was like, see ya, I'm not coming. So that was an interesting <laughs> one. I've had times where Coaches are doing like four different workouts on the track at once. And you're trying to – Joe Franklin's notorious for doing this. You're trying to get everyone and be able to make sure you can structure it so everyone knows exactly what everyone is doing. That's mm-hmm. been difficult, but that's just because of the chaos of it. Um, another tiring one, I would say Princeton. Uh, they did some like loops on a grass course. And mm-hmm. I was on a bike, and I wasn't doing a good job keeping up. That was hard. <laughs> there's a lot I can tell you that there's just a, there's a lot of yeah embarrassing things. So yeah, uh, yeah, it's not as easy as you think, right? But now I I've, <laughs> I've learned strategies of how to like simplify it and make it a lot simp- like just easier to understand how to get to people what they want to see. Like we filmed a Ben True workout last weekend which will come out maybe mm-hmm. next week been true workout did a good workout did five by 2k with a 600 at the end and i was like all right i'm on a track i'm just gonna stay where i am 
and just use mm-hmm. the zoom and pretend that some, just film the whole thing from one spot. It's beautiful views, good camera camera quality. We're all good. And so use the zoom. Use, use the, the zoom. zoom. I like it. That, that's that's go. my one suggestion for workout filming. Use the zoom. That's all I gotta say. Use the zoom. My suggestion is to get Jeremy to do it because or somehow get a, get a professional. Yeah. <laughs> the Buffalo Park workout he did at NAU was cool. amazing because it's not flat and to hold the camera that still <laughs> getting in front of them i don't know it was just there was so many so many obstacles to that coming out as good as it is he's just a strong cyclist is is part of it and he's a good shooter mm-hmm. and and he uh i don't know he, he go he goes all in on the workouts can i ruin can i ruin the myth on that one though you say it's he's an electric a strong bike? cyclist it was an electric bike yeah oh okay that makes sense now yeah I was joking when I said that. I didn't think it actually was. It really was? Yeah, it was an electric bike. Man, I don't know if I'm more surprised about that or how big the Dallas airport is. It's a lot going on. Okay, it's let's wild. talk Next about... Time you go there, be like, I'm in Manhattan. It's crazy. It's yeah. like weird to think about. <laughs> Can I get a slice? Casey Lightfoot, star pole vaulter, over six meters this year for Baylor, uh, announced that he is... Ending his college season, he's going to go pro in preparation for the Olympic trials. I could read his full statement that he posted on his Twitter page. Actually, I'll read these last couple paragraphs. He says, as I look ahead to the future, in particular the upcoming Summer Olympics in Tokyo, I'm once again faced with one of those difficult decisions. Taking into consideration many factors for my pole vaulting career, I feel the best situation will be back in my hometown where I would like to return to working with my previous coach. That's the coach that he had before he went to college, who taught me how to vault when I started. We have stayed very close throughout my collegiate career, and he's continued to be a guiding force for my development. Many will ask why I don't stay in Waco and finish the remainder of the season with Baylor, but in light of the strength of the American pole vault right now, I feel that the timing of finishing this year and then moving on may not provide the best opportunity for preparation for the summer season, Olympic trials, and hopefully the Olympic Games. For the reasons stated above and the option to compete complete my coursework online i've decided that now would be the best time to move i'm excited and grateful to say that i'm turning pro what do you think about this gordon he jumped six meters under his college coach so things were doing working pretty well for him under in college he had great momentum and then i thought okay maybe it's the scheduling so basically Mm-hmm. He could do one vault at Big 12s, and then two weeks later, he only needs to jump like vault nothing at regionals, doesn't really count. And then you do NCAs a week out from the trials. I don't know really much about the pole vaulting strenuousness of a pole vaulting competition day and mm-hmm. how many is too many. The way I know, like running too many 10Ks is kind of bad for you. Um, so I'm sure he knows it better than me, but. I don't it, – it, it's weird. Like, I didn't know what the situ, – like, how, what is bad about the Waco training to get you to the trials? Like, it makes – like, I just feel like you're kind of changing things up at the last minute, and it would make more sense to, like, kind of ride this wave. He hasn't had any reason to, like sh- – maybe had one bad outdoor competition. He was like, I'm out. I don't know. 
Did he though? Maybe he doesn't. I don't know. Did, how do you do a Texas relay? He maybe didn't vault as high as he thought he would. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's uh, he doesn't want to do school no more. I mean, he said he's doing online classes. Yeah, he's doing online classes. So, but I don't. Think, maybe he doesn't want to pay that's... for. Maybe he wants to get out of his lease of his apartment, and he's like, "All right, let's. I don't have to do like three more months of this." I don't. I don't. I don't think that's it. He did five seventy two at Baylor Invite, and then he did five eighty at Texas Relays indoors. Five ninety three Big Twelve indoors. Five ninety, and then Texas Tech Shootout indoors was where he went six meters. I, from a competition perspective, it's obviously he's going to get more competition out than in. I don't know what meets are available. That he's going to be able to go to in the next in the next couple months. Listen, if someone's paying you to compete in your sport, take. I'm is not going to ever though? criticize him. Well, he says he's turning pro. He says he's turning pro at the end, so I'm assuming he would he would be getting. Well, turning pro a, doesn't mean you're getting a paid. contract. Turning pro, turning pro does not mean you're getting paid. Well, I hope he's getting paid. Basically, is what I'm saying. And I yeah. think we saw this. Was it two indoor seasons ago? When Sammy Watson did it. Yeah, and then didn't Lena Irby go pro in the middle of the season? Yeah, as well too. And we we I remember talking at the time, hey, is this going to become a trend? And it it didn't. And I mean, part of that's because COVID and everything. But now it is is picking up again, um, which is interesting. Which is interesting, um, or at least with one one person here too. Yeah, I uh, I I thought okay. The back-to-back nature of NCAA's and Olympic trials might be part of the reason that it's happening. And if you're not going to compete in NCAA's, then what's the point? Yeah, that's the whole that's the whole point of being in and in, in competing on your on your college team. Maybe maybe that's it. But that meet is it seems like that meet is ideal for a buildup. It's it's simulates a championship competition but it's not so hard to where he's going to need to go to the well to win it um so interest yeah it, it's interesting not something that uh, i expected to see about I, what, what what are we a third of the way through outdoors it's hard to tell when outdoors started and where indoors ended i guess if you look at indoor and outdoor together we're well we're well past the halfway point now and i mean there's two months left in the season basically yeah it almost seems like it's like a case of like senioritis where you're kind of like, I ain't gonna be here next year. I can do whatever I want. Mm-hmm. Screw it. Let's 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 uh, get that ball rolling. Or I don't th- I don't have to wait till June to do what I want. I can do it now. Um, I just feel like there's something that's not in that letter that we don't know, and I don't think it's anything bad or anything. I think it's he's just doing what he wants, which you respect. But it is kind of weird. No, like. You don't see like Tara Davis doing this and she has the ultimate reason to like go pro now. Right. Mm-hmm. Like she broke the collegiate record. She's like on top of her game. She's trying to make her first Olympic team. She can make yeah. a lot of money if she would pro right now. But I think mm-hmm. Tara is probably thinking like, Hey, I'm going to stick with this. Clearly something's working with coach Flo and that whole crew. They have it down there. I'm going to ride this yeah. out through NCAAs. Then take that momentum to the trials, you know? Yeah. I mean, everybody's situation is different. Everybody's event is so yeah. different. Their college coach, their previous coach. So yeah, you don't really know um, what is 
at the front of their their mind when when there's decisions like this. I just thought it was noteworthy because the other ones were like it wasn't going that well in college. Like yeah. they they were hitting it. It looked to be a rough spot. Lifewood's great. He's fantastic. Yeah. He's having an he's having an amazing season. He's doing things that nobody has ever done in college and Mondo Duplantis was just in college. So if you can do <laughs> things that have never been done, that's, that's, that's pretty impressive. So I, yeah, I was, I was uh, a little bit surprised. I want to talk before we go, we'll talk about this on Friday though, too. You, you released some new rankings on the website. I did individual, individual rank, pro in us ranking. Yeah. Yeah. What, What's what stood out to you when you when you put those together? You don't need to go too in depth, but what were some things that um, were some some changes to, to so the top general, fifteen U.S. rankings? In general, most top fifteens are going to stay the same. There's not much like no one did anything crazy in the five k. I mean, in the past two weeks to change it. I mean, I guess mm -hmm. Eduardo Herrera went thirteen twenty four, but when you compare it to what the pros are doing in the thirteen O's and the thirteen teens, it doesn't really mess up the, the the 5ks 10ks 1500s so be it um there were a few changes i'll start with some field event stuff like in the decathlon garrett scantling mm -hmm. wasn't ranked at all in my top 15 mainly because he hasn't done a decathlon in like forever just like did an 8400 decathlon and now he's ranked number one mm -hmm. in the u.s so some guy went from not ranked to number one in uh the decathlon and Garrett Scanling, he's I mean, went to Georgia. Uh, I think he was trying to become a football player, if I'm correct. Is that the same person? I think that's who it was, right? Am I right or am I wrong? You're the football guy in the show. I stay laser focused on the NBA and what Steph and Seth Curry are going to do in the future. That's what my focus is. Yeah, he's uh, he tried to he tried to become a football player for the Falcons. Uh, so gotcha. okay. he hasn't really been done doing the decathlon for a few years now, but now he's back and he hasn't missed a beat. So he's new to the, the rankings. Um, I think a couple, like the high jump changed a bit. Um, but the biggest change I would say is probably in the 400 where mm -hmm. some commenter on YouTube said that Quinira Hayes could make the team. And I laughed at it. Well, now she's ranked fourth because she ran forty nine seconds. So there we go. Yeah, right now my <laughs> four hundred order is Waylon Jonathan, who didn't actually run that well, but I'm going based off of history. Phyllis Francis two, Shakima Wembley three, Quinira Hayes four, Kendall Ellis five, Okolo, Irby, Felix. That's my top eight. Um, and I can and you're not considering. See little on that right you didn't no little is not considered there. yeah little's not okay. considered um but i did move little up to third in the 400 hurdles above ashley spencer because i was like spencer ain't out here running 49 seconds so i put little into the top three in the 400 hurdles um mm -hmm. but the more and more i think about it i think shamil little and ashley shamil little is definitely going to do the 400 right that's what I think. I think she's yeah. going to do both. I think she's going to do both. Be my guess. I don't know why you wouldn't. 49. 49 is good. She can make the team in both. <laughs> I don't know if she wants to run run both, but the, the 400 has to be very appealing 
if for no other reason than the top two women of all time are not currently competing for the U.S. in that event. I see in the 15, you still have Central number one. That's interesting. It's noteworthy. Yeah, keeping them there. Uh, you 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 convinced me. You told me it was nothing. You said it's 150, 800 <laughs> is nothing. So I was like, okay, it's nothing. But I do think uh, when we get to, I think, end of the next ranking, if they're, if he does another race, I think his yeah. next race will affect his ranking. So whatever he does next, whether it's good or bad, if it's good, he'll stay at one. If it's bad, he's going to drop. But he has one more race mm. before I start judging him. But yeah, we're mm. going to update these rankings every two weeks. And then the off week, we'll update the NCAA rankings. So next week, we'll update NCAA. Then the week after, pro again. So be fun. There we go. And then there's going to be a big change in the rankings probably. I'm not sure when, but maybe in a month, when I'm going to completely ignore 2019. So mm. like people who are living off the coattails of their past, it's going to be stripped away where it's going to be a what have you done for me lately uh, type ranking. Which I think is fair because you gotta you gotta give people the baseline of 2019 performances, but then mm -hmm. once we get a few weeks out from the trials, I don't care what you did in 2019 anymore, and things will kind of be more about what have you done in the past six months. So most of us gave up on 2019 a couple months into 2020, but I like <laughs> that you're hanging on to it. On the hanging site on. tomorrow on our YouTube page, we're releasing the Justin Knight uh, flow film. And we're going to have him as a guest on the pod for tomorrow. So if you haven't subscribed to our YouTube channel, the FlowTrack YouTube channel, and also the FlowTrack podcast YouTube channel, please do that because there's more and yeah. more stuff going up every single day. Like we said before, we're releasing uh, one flow film a week on there. So we had the, the Jenny Simpson one last week, Justin Knight this week. We're going to have him on to – to chat about the film, but also about what he's up to now. He ran that really good 1500 out in Austin where he, uh, he, uh, showed a kick, a big old kick, kicked, kicked some milers. I'll kick some milers. So we'll talk about that. Um, I also want to ask him, cause in one of the other, we did another feature with him at the Peyton Jordan meet. And in that feature, he talks about how one of his first times running at Peyton for Syracuse, he stayed up till 5am the night before cause he wanted to download the new Drake album. I want to ask him about that. I want to really get into the nitty gritty um, with that. And so it'll be fun. He also says he's the, he can beat any track athlete, any distance runner in basketball. So I want to, I want to, I want to game that out a little bit and I'll have the chance to do that when I talk to him. I mean, so stay tuned. Does he think Bonus he, pod on Thursday. Ask him if he can beat Eric Kennard. I think he meant distance runner. Okay. Well, I want to know. Come on, man. No, you can't say any track athlete and then be like, oh, only the scrawny white kids. Come on. He's got to well, go against. Josh Thompson can dunk. Josh Thompson can dunk. Okay. So I want to ask him specifically about Josh Thompson. But anyway, that'll be up tomorrow. That's a Thursday pod. Um, and then Friday, you and I will be back at 9 a.m. Central, maybe. We'll see. <laughs> Probably. We'll Hopefully. We'll okay. This, this time we're serious. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Thanks to Alon for producing. Really appreciate everybody subscribing to the FlowTrack Podcast YouTube channel. Also on Twitter, at FlowTrack Podcast. We will talk to you guys tomorrow.